Welcome to The Renner Files, a very special limited series dedicated to investigating Jeremy Renner's app. I'm Sarah Ramos. I'm Caroline Goldfarb. In episode one, we learned that Jeremy Renner is more than a movie star. He's an undefinable man of multitudes, some of which are vaguely sexist and involve rare motorcycles. We learned that he's fearless in every aspect of his life, from being a reality TV pioneer to publicly joking about murdering horses. We learned that he's so extra, he's extra about being extra. But we've barely scratched the surface. From real estate to rock music, there are no limits to what Jeremy Renner can do. Why would a successful movie star start making music? Music that defies categorization. What car company financed Jeremy Renner's music videos? How can one man be so successful at flipping houses? How did a blue-collar Modesto dude turn his hobbies into money-making machines? And how does it all tie into the Jeremy Renner app? This is The Runner Files. Welcome to Episode 2, Renaissance Man. Throughout this podcast, various quotes from Jeremy Renner will be read by the actor... Ben Essler. But the song you're about to hear is the real deal. That rock masterpiece was a selection from actor Jeremy Renner's 2017 single, Heaven Don't Have a Name. Jeremy Renner is hardly the first actor turned musician. From Johnny Depp to Joe Pesci, Bruce Willis to Keanu Reeves, Scarlett Johansson to Tony Collette, the list goes on and on. Is Jeremy Renner's music just another half-baked celebrity vanity project? Most celebrity side projects barely permeate the cultural consciousness, but Jeremy Renner's music is different. Jeremy Renner's music sparks a very impassioned response. On one end of the spectrum were Renner's diehard fans who loved his music. Just listen to these extremely supportive social media posts. Just perfect. Just amazing. Your voice, your voice simply bristles my skin and runs through my senses. I will add you to my Foster the People playlist. I will give you some love and support, Papa. Ooh, good love. Listen, song, okay emoji, clap emoji, star emoji. But not everyone liked to good love listen song. On the other end of the spectrum, there were haters. But not your average hater. For some reason, Renner's music struck a chord with the cultural elite. It inspired thousands of tweets, think pieces, TV segments, and blog posts. Writer Dave Hanratty said this. It's best described as Imagine Dragons except somehow worse. This is Maroon 5 on a troubling amount of steroids. It wasn't just bloggers. Peabody award-winning TV host John Oliver had this to say. 
Have I heard it? No, I haven't entered the let's give Jeremy Renner's album an honest chance stage of self-quarantine yet, and I really hope that I don't get there. He later went so far as to call it not music, but... Music like noises. Renner's music is so compelling that John Oliver took a break from high-level political commentary just to dunk on it. The very idea that Renner had a musical career was a punchline. As comedian Jamie Loftus put it, Jeremy Renner's Imagine Dragons music career remains the funniest possible use of power and privilege. His music was deeply polarizing. But this podcast isn't about whether Jeremy Renner's music is good or bad. This podcast is about the truth. Music isn't some throwaway side project for Mr. Renner. Music is in his blood. Writing and performing music is... A deeply personal expression. Jeremy Renner has been playing drums, guitar, and piano since his days as a young boy in Modesto. My family was my first love, then music. He's a musician first, actor second. The same way I'm a pop culture connoisseur first, actress second. And his music is like this Jeremy Renner podcast. In episode one, we learned that Jeremy Renner went on a long, winding journey to becoming an A-list movie star. And his journey to becoming a musician has been just as long, and even more winding. Jeremy Renner got his first taste of performing as a teen when he played drums in the garage rock band Hot Ice. But once he moved to LA, he honed his musical chops the way all actors do. In karaoke bars, with other struggling actors. In Renner's case, that was Amy Adams, Sam Rockwell, and many more. Listen to Rockwell describe their glory karaoke days on Ellen. My friend uh, Jeremy Renner and uh, a big crew of these guys would go to this place, Gower Gulch, and Jeremy would, uh, I would get on stage and pretend to sing karaoke to a James Brown song, and Renner would be in, sort of hiding in the audience with a microphone like this, actually singing, because he has a better voice than I do, and I would dance. But singing for free jalapeno poppers could never satisfy a true musician. So Renner formed another band called the Sons of Ben. Here's how he described it to Larry King. Well, I used to play in a band. Yeah, I don't have the time to do it, or I would be doing it. But yeah, it was called the Sons of Ben. It was a side project. What band? Called the Sons of Ben. <laughs> the Sons of Ben. Yeah, it's a long story. Can't get into it. But uh, yeah, it was an acoustic rock group. that It was a side project for some rock stars and for me. And it was fun. Which rock stars? And why can't he get into it? I was able to unearth a seemingly lost Jeremy Renner Playboy interview using Internet Archive software. There I learned that Sons of Ben was a Hollywood vampire-esque supergroup consisting of Renner and members of the 90s alt-rock band Tonic. I don't know if I'm familiar with Tonic. That's what I thought too. But it turns out, all of us, without realizing it, are familiar with Tonic. If you could only see the way she loves me, then maybe you would understand. If you lived through the 90s, you heard that song hundreds of times without ever knowing what it was or that Jeremy Renner's estranged former band members sang it. So before Jeremy Renner was famous, he was in a 90s rock supergroup called Sons of Ben with those guys that sang that song. She says she loves 
He described their sound like this. It had an eagle's kind of sound, but edgier. Describing the eagles as edgy is like describing the wiggles as death metal. Despite Sons of Ben's potential, Jeremy's burgeoning acting career threatened to sideline his music. But like a flower growing through concrete, Renner's musicality found its way to the screen. Jeremy sang the Confederate hymn, Good Old Rebel Soldier, in the assassination of Jesse James. For the Yankee nation, I just don't give a damn. I'm glad I fought against her. I only wish we'd won. I ain't asked any pardon for anything I done. I hate the Yankee nation and everything they do. And art imitates life in North Country when he sings karaoke to George Thorogood's "I Drink Alone." I drink alone. But Renner's raw musical talent wasn't content to be buried in a scene here and there, playing second fiddle to Charlize Theron's movie mullet. When Renner appeared on late night shows, his musicality saw its chance to steal the spotlight. Instead of giving interviews, Renner blessed our ears with musical bits, like this parody song he sang about Hawkeye on The Tonight Show. Listen, I've got powers too. And they're pretty sweet. I promise I can do so much more than just archery. It's almost like his music couldn't be contained. It was bursting out of him. His music was like a parasite, and his press tours were the host. Every promotional appearance became an opportunity to sing. Some folks like to get away, take a holiday from the neighborhood. Hop a fly to Miami Beach or to Hollywood. Instead of telling Jimmy Fallon about his latest movie, he sang a Billy Joel song for no explicable reason. But Jeremy Renner still wasn't content doing glorified karaoke on late night TV. He had more to express. And it all came out in the presence of Joy Behar. So why'd you leave my world when you turned your back and left me far behind? Save me from the front line. Jeremy Renner serenading the ladies of The View with his song, My World. It's a moving performance, raw and uncut. No explosions, no chase sequences, just Jerbear's fingers tickling the keys of a baby grand. It was only a matter of time before his music stopped being the sidekick and became the superhero. And we know that Jeremy Renner is fearless. So he did the scariest thing an actor could do. Release a single. On October 5th, 2018, Jeremy Renner made his first appearance on an original song. Dutch DJ Sam Feltz's EDM banger, Heaven Don't Have a Name, which 
Brenner co-wrote. Jeremy Renner's first single was a collaboration with an EDM DJ, like how Rihanna collaborates with Calvin Harris. Are Renner and Felt frequent collaborators like Rihanna and Harris? It's complicated. Around the time of the song's release, DJ Sam Felt got in a horrific scooter accident, which forced him to cancel his tour and presumably any planned collaborations with Renner. Is Sam Felt okay? He's fine, but Jeremy Renner was thriving. In June of 2019, Renner posted this on Instagram. So predictable, I gotta tell you, never be the same. Shannon don't have a name. That's Jeremy Renner in the studio singing a raw acapella version of Heaven Don't Have a Name with the caption, Coming soon. Even though Heaven Don't Have a Name was fully already released, he was still uploading raw recording footage of it and claiming that it was coming soon. Almost one full year after the original song came out. Was this a mistake? The kind of technological error that later befell his app? That's what I assumed. But true to his words, coming soon, he literally re-released the same song as a solo effort. You can find two versions of the song on Spotify, one with DJ Sam Felt and one without. Even stranger, people thought the solo version sounded exactly the same. The only difference was this time around, people started to pay attention. As The Guardian described it, Renner released the first of a threatened many singles, Heaven Don't Have a Name, a rock reworking of the dance number he featured on to zero acclaim last year. Even though Renner had been a musician his entire life, most people's introduction to his music was the Heaven Don't Have a Name re-release. And they didn't just take notice. Jeremy's Coming Soon Instagram post went viral. New York Magazine's Hallie Kiefer compared it to that one video of Kim Cattrall scatting. Well, he bit all the he-dogs and winked at all the she-dogs. The town never knew such a hullabaloo. Comedians Jesus and Miro said this. This is the order of White Castle at 2 a.m. and shit, right? That a food is dying, thank you, cheeseburger. Fuck it, let me get some clay strips, too. I don't care about my body, nigga. <laughs> what? Shabuda Baba Doopa gotta tell you? Inside like, Shabuda Baba Doopa. I would describe the genre as adult having their birthday party at a laser tag place. To me, it's an oxymoronic yet delightful mix of adult contemporary pop and acoustic rave music. Many reviews of Heaven Don't Have a Name simply focused on the fact that heaven does have a name. But we wanted to go deeper. Take the song's opening lyrics. She's got Who is she? And what is her 
voodoo. Renner informs us a few lines later. Is this a song about a woman who Jeremy Renner calls heaven because he can't remember her name? Or was it a woman DJ Sam Felt couldn't remember due to his horrific scooter accident? Is it legally okay for Jeremy Renner to release this song without Sam Felt? Can he even do that? Jeremy Renner is fearless. He doesn't care about what he can do or follow typical music release strategy. And clearly, it paid off because he was the talk of the town. Once all eyes were on him, what did Renner do next? Most actors turned musicians might release their first EP, star in a musical, or partner with Jack Antonoff. But not Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner did something crazy, something unexpected, something called the Summer of Jeep. Now, baby, let's the way Renner hit the metaphorical gas on his music career was equal parts fearless and extra. He entered into a musical partnership with Jeep. Jeep, as in the type of car Cher drives in Clueless. In 2019, Jeremy Renner was tapped to be the face and voice of the prestigious Summer of Jeep campaign. Past campaigns have featured One Republic and Will I Am. So how did they choose Jeremy Renner? Apparently, Jeremy Renner is acquaintances with the CMO of Jeep's parent company, Fiat Chrysler. And during one fateful hang sesh, Olivier Francois mentioned the kind of music he was looking for. They wanted a song that was like a, a Queen Meets Imagine Dragon song. Telling Jeremy Renner you're looking for a song that's Queen Meets Imagine Dragons is like telling us you're looking for a Jeremy Renner podcast. After all, these are Jeremy Renner's favorite bands. Oh, Muse, Radiohead, Queen, the pretty badass. So Renner shared his music, and Francois liked what he heard. Jeremy is exactly what I was looking for. It's authentic, it's honest, it's American, it's rock and roll. Why is a French billionaire CMO telling me what's American and rock and roll. If you think that's weird, it gets three times weirder. Because Jeremy didn't give Jeep one rockin' banger. He gave them three. Jeep released three separate commercials for three separate Jeeps, all starring one Jeremy Lee Renner. Like this Jeep Wrangler commercial, featuring Renner's song, Sign. spot, Jeremy and his friends exit a diner, where there's a huge tour bus that says Jeremy Renner Roadhouse Tour. But instead of getting into his personal tour bus, Jeremy steals a black woman's Jeep and rides off into the desert, listening to his own music. Then there's Renner's song Nomad, which was used to sell a car I've never heard of before, the Jeep Compass. But I was born a soldier. Waging a war against all the said I told you. Jeremy Renner considers himself a soldier, fighting against societal norms. His entire existence is a war against the status quo. People get scared. That excites me, and that's why I do it. 
He enjoys scaring people and making them uncomfortable. And that makes Nomad a nonconformist anthem. If this world's a circle, ooh, I got no time for them squares. Two plus two must equal I don't care. Two plus two equals I don't care is Jeremy's E equals MC squared. Because if you refuse to conform, it scientifically follows that you can't care what anyone else thinks about you. As he put it on Justin Long's podcast. I I give zero fucks about perception. He knows his music is polarizing. And frankly, he could give a fuck. If people like something, it's amazing. People don't like something, it's just as amazing. Renner doesn't care how you feel as long as you feel something. Maybe that's why his music incites such strong reactions, because provoking visceral responses is part of his grand artistic project. Maybe Jeremy Renner is his own grand artistic project. His life is art, and his music is an extension of his being. Here's how he described it on Jamie Foxx's Grey Goose-sponsored YouTube show. Yeah, it was like my diary, you know? Really? So I was like, you know, <laughs> you fuck guys, you don't deserve You don't deserve This is my shit. So Jeremy Renner's music isn't good or bad. Jeremy Renner's music just is. Now that we know Jeremy Renner is a performance artist, his Jeep period music makes much more sense. Take his song, Main Attraction. It was used in a Jeep Grand Cherokee commercial, a commercial that was also turned into a full-length music video. Its mere existence challenges our perceptions of art and advertising. The video opens with Jeremy Renner in a long trench coat, walking through a neon desert scape. Jeremy then enters a club packed full of glamorous desert freaks for whom he's going to perform. There are knife swallowers and contortionists. The whole scene is designed to challenge our perceptions, which explains why Jeremy Renner swaps out his predictable trench coat for a sequin tuxedo. And this impromptu desert concert becomes its own Moulin Rouge, where Jeremy Renner is Nicole Kidman. Battle to the battle, I'm your soldier, we can take it for miles. Let it all wild, just how I like it. This whole time, we've been trying to make sense of Renner's life and work. But the whole point is that it doesn't make sense. It's meant to challenge our preconceived notions of what sense even is. And what's the most compelling evidence that the main attraction music video is an absurdist work of art? It was financed by Jeep. It contains numerous Taika Waititi cameos. Taika Waititi, as in the Oscar-winning writer-director of Jojo Rabbit. Polynesian Jewish legend Taika Waititi doesn't just make an appearance, he makes multiple costume changes. One moment, Waititi is donning a onesie and a rainbow feather wig, evoking a substitute teacher on Halloween. The next, he's wearing a full-blown hot dog costume, 
reminiscent of Katy Perry at the Met Gala. The main attraction video is clearly using Waititi as a symbol, but a symbol of what? Of identity itself. Jeremy Renner knows that people won't understand Taika Waititi wearing a hot dog costume, and he doesn't care. Jeremy Renner knows that the world won't understand his Moulin Rouge Desertscape Jeep musical, and he doesn't care. You're the star of the show. You shimmer like gold. Jeremy Renner is reminding you that you're the star of your own show. You shimmer like gold, so don't dim your light or conform to society's standards. Because you are already. If Nomad is a nonconformist anthem, and Heaven Don't Have a Name is an anthem about forgetting a woman's name, then Main Attraction is a self-acceptance anthem. As Renner put it to Playboy, Don't you wish we were in a world where we're not shaming, judging, or boxing people in? Jeremy Renner wants us to join him in this metaphorical desert circus and become as free as he is. Free to be who we want to be and do what we want to do. But how is it possible for anyone to be this free? As a movie star, doesn't his livelihood depend on what other people think about him? To ask that question is to miss the point. Jeremy Renner isn't just a Hollywood movie star. He's a shape-shifting, perception-melting, cross-industry multi-hyphenate. Think about it. What's better than the licensing fees from one of your songs being used in a Jeep commercial? The licensing fees from three of your songs being used in three separate Jeep commercials. Jeremy Renner isn't like most actors, suckling at Hollywood's financial teat. Jeremy Renner isn't like most musicians, making art that plays in an Applebee's bathroom. Jeremy Renner builds houses with his bare hands. And every brick he touches turns into gold. Jeremy Renner is a singing, dancing real estate mogul with a goddamned Midas touch. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Ben Esler. You might know me as the actor who plays Jeremy Renner on The Renner Files. You might think an amateur, unauthorized investigative podcast about the Jeremy Renner app makes itself. But that's not the case. It required hundreds of hours of research, interviews, editing, and listening to Jeremy Renner's music. Sarah and Caroline had to renter the Matrix and gave time, money, bodies and souls to make this passion project a reality. If you're enjoying this podcast and you'd like to support the hard work of its creators, visit therennerfiles.com slash donate. You can choose how much you'd like to donate and make your payment securely. Any amount is appreciated. If Jeremy Renner can build a house with his bare hands, you can do this. Again, that's therennerfiles.com slash donate. Movie stars are just like us. They have to make money. 
And sometimes the pressure to make money can lead to artistic compromises. Like how Nicolas Cage did National Treasure 2 because he spent his fortune on dinosaur bones. But you'll never find Jeremy Renner making artistic compromises for money. In addition to going Scrooge McDuck-style money swimming in Jeep's offshore bank accounts, Jeremy Renner has been making millions from flipping houses for the past 20 years. In his words? Fuck you. I don't need your damn movie. Fuck it. I'll go build a house. In 2000, Renner used his SWAT contract to get a loan, bought a house for $659,000, spent $30,000 on upgrades, and sold it for a profit of almost $200,000. It was more money than Jeremy ever made from his acting career. He was hooked. And he did it all with his business partner, Christopher Winters. That's Christopher with a K and two Fs. Christopher Ryan Winters isn't just a business partner. He's Jeremy's best friend, his co-house flipper, sometimes assistant, and even a key witness in Jeremy's custody battle. An ugly fight which we are not remotely equipped to address in this podcast. Christopher Winters is a red-headed jack-of-all-trades who Renner frequently refers to as his brother. That's when I uh, got the first house, bought the first house with my brother. Over the course of their 20-year friendship, Winters and Renner have also been frequent roommates. From their days living together as struggling actors in a Hollywood apartment, to their days living together during Jeremy's marriage and subsequent divorce. They say marriage is a sacred bond, but it pales in comparison to the even more sacred bond between Jeremy Renner and his live-in house-flipping partner-slash-assistant. Clearly, Jeremy Renner and Christopher Winters make an amazing team. Winters oversees the interior design, while Renner handles the exterior finishes and the flow. They're like the Avengers, if the Avengers were roommates who renovated mansions. In their early days, Renner and Winters invested all their money in the houses they were building and slept in the remodels. During the Academy Awards, I was sleeping under painter's plastic in a guest apartment with no plumbing. I had to go brush my teeth at Starbucks in a tuxedo because I had no running water. <laughs> it's character building, those types of things. According to various sources, since then, Renner has bought and remodeled more than 20 homes. From a 1940s Spanish hacienda near Laurel Canyon, on which he netted a million and change, to a mansion dubbed the Hamptons in Hollywood, for which he and Winters made four and a half million doll hairs. You don't typically associate rugged Modesto dudes with the Hamptons. Like the man himself, Jeremy Renner's design aesthetic is unpredictable. It's all about elegance, luxury, and nudity. You want it to be elegant. You want every room to be sexy. I err on the side of masculine and richness. My guide is I want to be able to walk around in this room naked and feel fantastic. I need to do that more. Just walk around buck naked and keep saying how fantastic I feel. But the Jeremy Renner we know shouldn't need the Hamptons to feel fantastic. He could feel fantastic naked in a Modesto bowling alley. The Jeremy Renner we know was a self-described latchkey kid, the son of a poultry plant worker. 
he didn't have an easy upbringing, so it makes sense that he's seemingly obsessed with luxury, over-the-top real estate. I always wanted that shit as a kid, and I could never afford it. So I just said, fuck it, I deserve it. Renner calls his personal home the Nest. The Nest is a secluded, mid-century modern glass enclave somewhere in the Hollywood Hills. It has two features that stopped us in our tracks. One, his pool, which is not so much a pool, but actually... A giant lagoon with a dive bridge and waterfall sculpted by the guys who do it for the San Diego Zoo. A Playboy Mansion-esque lagoon isn't the only notable design idiosyncrasy. As a 2017 Men's Journal article described, there's also a list of rules hanging above his bar. Number one, do not fuck with Ava. Ava is Renner's daughter. Note that both her first and last names are palindromes. Number two, no social media. Were you allowed to use the Jeremy Renner app? Number three, no photos. Number four, no glass by the pool. Number five, nothing in JR's butt. Now I can't stop thinking of all the things I could put in Jeremy Renner's butt. Why are we even talking about Jeremy Renner's butt? I didn't bring it up. He did. In any case, Jeremy Renner's design aesthetic is a bit over the top, a.k.a. extra as fuck. And that's evident nowhere more so than in his and Christopher's house-flipping magnum opus, The Reserve. Which they bought for $7 million and sold for $24 million. The Reserve is a 10,000-square-foot Art Deco mansion above Beverly Hills that includes multiple historic stone eagles. How can stone eagles be historic? That's something you can think about when you're using one of the Reserve's 11 bathrooms. Who could use 11 bathrooms? It also has a grand fountain with a life-sized sculpture of a woman that Renner allegedly bought from a famous actor's IRS auction. Which famous actor's auction? And who can afford to buy this house? There are so many unanswered questions. But selling third homes to the 1% and squeezing Jeep for all they're worth aren't Renner's only financially savvy moves. He also owns a giant tour bus with bunk beds, a shower, and a full kitchen. He uses this on set instead of a trailer and has the studio pay him rent. Take it from Jeremy. So they pay me to have my own trailer that I like better. Like Will Smith and The Rock before him, Jeremy Renner is part of an exclusive group of actors who use their sick-ass tour buses to charge their own movies rent. And we can't forget about Camp Renner, Renner's giant ranch in Lake Tahoe, Nevada, where he spends most of his time. I wish I lived at Camp Renner. There are so many upsides to claiming legal residency in rural Nevada. For one, there's lots of space. There's no smog and much less traffic. And of course, there's no state income tax. Jeremy admits that claiming legal residency in Nevada... It's partially a business decision. So if in episode one we learn that Jeremy Renner is undefinable, extra, and fearless... Today we learned that Jeremy Renner is polarizing. The art he makes is designed to elicit visceral reactions, 
on a scale of that's not music to I love this so much you're my papa. We learned that Jeremy Renner doesn't care what people think of him because he's a perception-bending performance artist who's redefining the very concept of good and bad. And we learned that what allows Renner to care so little about being so controversial is his self-made independent wealth. He's a tax-avoiding demigod with a tour bus. So what happens when a financially driven, convention-busting, deeply polarizing man gets on social media? You don't just get an Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, or TikTok account. You get a freestanding, monetizable, poorly run, and completely unnecessary celebrity motherfucking app. Jeremy Renner is the poster boy of failed celebrity apps, but does he deserve that title? Tom Hanks, Nicki Minaj, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Is it possible that Jeremy Renner wasn't the only A-list celebrity? with a D-list app. Next time on The Renner Files. I closed the app for a couple hours, and upon reopening it, I was met with horror. My clothes, my hair, and even my skin pigment had evaporated, leaving me a nippleless mannequin perched at my table in star beans and completely unaware of my plight. The Renner Files is written and narrated by Caroline Goldfarb and Sarah Ramos. It was edited by Emu Zhu and mixed by Adrian Lilly. It was produced by Sarah Ramos and Emu Zhu, with original music by Evan Gordon. Thanks to Ben Essler, who plays the role of Jeremy Renner throughout this series. Additional thanks to Dan Milstein, Vanessa Chester, Hallie Pfeiffer, Dave Hanratty, Jamie Loftus, and Julia Pott, for providing additional voice acting.